We're here on your internet again for Walk It Off. Not on your radio dial, but just on your internet, your streams, and video. We're in the future, baby. If we're just on the internet, that makes this an internet exclusive. So Walk It Off, video, audio, all in one. This is the full package. So fancy. It is pretty fancy. I'm pretty impressed with us that we can pull this off without a watermark uh, this time. And by we, I mean... I'm taking your word for it. So we'll, we'll see how that goes. I'll put the caveat out there first. Or just, just, just to be clear with all of our, uh, our lovely listeners and fans and friends and family and everybody. That was my fault. Uh, we had a really great show. We recorded it. And we recorded it with a watermark. And there was no way of of uh of getting rid of that so uh the content was that damn good though that it was worth putting out there with a watermark on it so uh pat on the back to us that we were able to do that yeah you can still go check it out it's still up there on the website right walkitoffradio.com it is where you can find all our interesting things and look at this just uh chill hangs doesn't get much better than this man it really doesn't uh you know, we are in uh, COVID times where we spend a lot of time at home. Uh, I know you, you are able to go into the studio, uh, usually at least, uh, when weather and, and uh, COVID protocols permit. Uh, I have not been there in a very long time, and I miss it a ton. So experiences like this really fill a big hole in my heart where I can't be there standing across the room from you talking to you like this normally on Sunday nights. I can't look you in the eyes. We can't, we can't get this kind of rapport. So this is just beyond just being a cool way of doing the show. This is just ideal for me. This is just so much fun. It's something I look forward to. And I, and I absolutely love doing. Yeah, buddy. It brings us back to that two man booth and it is a little bit difficult. Uh, you do a great job calling in and ho- hosting the show from the phone lines, but it's, it is a different animal. It's a bit harder when we're not in the same studio. We can't play off each other's cues as easily. So you just tee it up, you knock it out of the park, and we keep the show going every Sunday night on WXNA. But now we got this too, so we can have some little video hangs. And talk about issues that we didn't get to fit into the show because there's never any issues that we don't get to fit in the show, right? No, one hour is always enough for us, <laughs> and uh, and we always have it wrapped up by eleven fifty nine p.m. on Sunday night. And uh, you know, one week of sports uh, is enough to go through in an hour. No, that never happens. As and, and we always have tangents. You know, when we started this, Drew, uh, when. We first kicked this off. When you first brought the idea to me, you were inspired. You know, we used to go hang out and have burgers and beers on a Friday night, which I miss immensely also being uh, a thousand miles away from you. But remember those times going to a bar, throwing some darts, bullshitting about sports, having a uh, was a sweet potato stout at Tennessee Brew Works. that that those beers are incredible, and that was those are really some of the best times, and that's where we decided we have pretty darn good sports barroom banter. So let's translate that to the radio. So when you do that, though, that means you never know exactly where you're going to go, and that makes an hour disappear really quickly. 
in in the good kind of way. Like time flies when you're having fun. Yeah, we hope it is for everybody out there listening to you. It makes that hour seem real short. But that's the good part. That's the whole, like you said, man, that's the whole point. That was the whole pitch when we wanted to do, to bring it to, bring our radio experience and our audiovisual experience to a different, a sports talk format, which was what we were doing anyways on our weekends, <laughs> going to sports games. That's true. Talking about the stuff, getting in there, using our hard-earned knowledge and connections to have some beers and talk about sports. Yeah, it and really didn't cut into so our lives at all. There. That are just like, you know, that's the sports media landscape right now. We're not trying to compete there. We're not trying to break news. We're, that's not, if you're coming here for the latest breaking news, that's not what it's about. If you're coming here for, we're not selling out to get those takes by being like, hey, uh, hey, Dave, did you know LeBron's actually bad at basketball? He's just built different. And, and it'll be like, hey, uh, <laughs> did you hear what this guy said about LeBron? No, no takes. I, I don't think either of us could even attempt a Stephen A. Smith impression, much less create a whole radio show about that kind of fervor. Uh, Now, here's a time and a place for for a guy like that. And I respect Stephen A. uh, a lot as a a reporter and somebody who uh, is very close to the game and has oftentimes some really thoughtful uh, opinions. But I think they're masked by the hyperbole that is had to, that is almost required to put on that spin. And so I'm glad we kind of went through our, um, our manifesto, so to speak. Uh, it's something we don't talk about on the air that often, uh, at least in depth right there. But now that we're coming, coming to y'all with, with this video and uh, these, these new takes, it's, I think it's really important to talk about what our intent is. And we aim to be wholly unique in the sports landscape, just like you said, uh, this is something that everybody hopefully should and can relate to because this is how the majority of people talk about sports. This is how I've always talked to my friends about, about sports. I've always engaged about that at every fantasy football draft I've been to, uh, at every bar I've gone to to watch a playoff game, uh, every time I've been at your house for Super Bowl. This is, this is the kind of atmosphere that it is. So um, I, I think, personally, I think we've done a good job of bringing that, but I, I certainly want to say that if uh, if folks have feedback uh, or if they have ideas on how we can fit that mold even better, that's certainly our mission and what we love to do. So uh, we love hearing from y'all uh, at Walk It Off Radio, uh, walkitoffradio.com. Uh, we're accessible and we're here. Absolutely. You got a long form thing you want to ask us anytime? Walkitoffradio at gmail.com. Questions, comments. Topics you want us to talk about on the show, things we can't miss. It's like we said, this is a it's a weekly show, so we get to recap, we get to get you up to speed on what's going on and what might be coming up in the next week, and hopefully do it in an entertaining way. You know, we got a couple of taglines: everything you need to know for your week around the water cooler. Uh, It's just like hanging out with your friends at a sports bar, if your friends knew what the hell they were talking about. And, they, and most of them. That's how we don't. describe it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep, and it's fun. That's what makes it. That's what makes it fun. And now, now we get to talk about things that aren't covering the full week because we're coming to you on a uh, what is it? Is it Tuesday night? Still, still, can't believe it. Can't believe it. And we get to say an occasional bad word here because we're not on the radio waves with your FCC contents, and we can drink a beer while we do it. So 
Good hangs, buddy. Good Cheers. to see you. Here's Steve, Virtually. I mean. That certainly does tonight, by the way. make it more like a barroom banter. So I, you know, I just bring the fancy stuff out. You're showing me up on these first couple video episodes. Well, I've told you, I'm a big fan of the sequence. So we could also make walk it off a whole beer talk show as well, because half of what we talk about when we're preparing for this show is about the beers that we're drinking while we're preparing it and, uh, and what we have in our fridges. But I love the sequence that you're drinking. Uh, I think it's one of the more creative and unique beers out there. But uh, I broke into my beer cellar for this special occasion uh, and brought out this uh, nice little Nine Ladies Dancing from the brewery. It is uh, a nice kind of strong ale with cacao nibs, uh, vanilla, coffee, and lactose added to it. Uh, so it's a nice little uh, late night treat. Uh, it's probably a few years old. I don't remember off the top of my head, but I'm going to guess this is a, a beer. <laughs> a cellar beer. 2017, something like that. So All right. it's nice. nice. You were actually the one who got me into sours back in the day. Take a little bit of a risk. And yeah, the sequench from uh, Dugfish Heads, one of my favorites. It's kind of a light, easily drinkable sour. It is. I always recommend those Gozos. An intro too. sour. <laughs> There's no doubt about it. And, uh, a sessionable sour like that's a really big buzz term right now and it's really nice because especially as you become an old man like i do every day i don't want to get really toasty every night i don't want to do that even if i'm going to the lake or the beach or uh the sporting event i don't necessarily want to get to the point that i did when i was in college or whatnot so the beers that are sessionable like that exactly beers that are sessionable like that low abv uh, but are really flavorful. Uh, those are the ones that I migrate towards. So I, I love Sequench because of that. It's it's a really nice beer. But sometimes you need something a little bit stronger, like you know when you're a Preds fan. Yeah, that's this th- season. That's whiskey uh, and uh, and probably a sh- uh, probably a, a pint of beer that you're crying into at the same time. Almost had a win tonight. We're coming onto the air right after the press grenades. Yeah, made it to overtime. What do you know? But another blown lead, and that bad news before the game, of course, kind of surprising us that Roman Yossi is going to be out for at least week to week. Adding to this laundry list, man, for the Preds right now, in this already rough season. <laughs> like, if the fans were calling for David Poyle and John Hines to start playing the young guys and being kind of surprised why that wasn't happening yet with the season slipping away. It's out of their hands now. you got to play the young guys. Just Yossi's on IR right now, your captain. He's adding to Ryan Ellis, his usual D partners on IR right now. Matthew Shane hit IR. UC Saros is on IR. Luke Cunnan's on IR. It's not a good spot right now for the Preds. But, hey, they hung tough. Yeah. Hey, I, beat the Canes tonight. That's what we're celebrating nowadays, Fucking one point in overtime. I know. I know. And, I mean, clearly, based on the last win, it would have been really nice to have Rojo in that lineup because he knows how to do that in overtime. That was a sweet move uh, in the last game. Oh, but that shootout winner. Yeah, that was beautiful. Really With the was. blood on his face from the high stick that wasn't called that That's presumably right. did something is involved in the injury. Hey, let's uh, let's tangent already. How does hockey get away with upper body and lower body as the only descriptors for injuries? Because it's, 
That's Another a sport does that. <laughs> that's, that's a really great point. Now, I mean, I guess the, the question to your question is, is that better or do we want the specificity? I, sometimes uh, I, I'm on record as hating the trend of just describing an injury by the body part. Announcers on the air saying he's out with a hamstring just infuriates me. Everybody's got a hamstring. Yeah, I know. Due to the hamstring. My, my hamstring is always Terrible bothering freezing. It's always there. Yeah. If you don't have a hamstring, that's when you really have a problem. But, uh, yeah, I, I agree. I think I'd almost rather, you know, this kind of goes back to the manifesto we were talking about earlier is there's way too much time, I think, spent dissecting the specificities of an injury. You know, there's value to it, especially in fantasy football and things like that, because you want to predict when in fantasy, any sport, not just football. But you want to be able to predict with some expert help, potentially, when they could come back and what impact that might have on your team. But beyond that, I don't, I don't, think, it's, I don't think it brings much value. I'd rather just kind of know that they're injured and generally where it is because then you kind of know how it's going to affect their game. I, I, I don't know. It, it's, it's a hard one, but I don't know if it adds much value to us as fans or even sports commentators. Is that how they get away with it? That fantasy hockey is not all that popular in comparison to the other sports? Because you're exactly right. The NFL, we've seen now leveling punishments out to play, to coaching staffs, to organizations, the Patriots, who aren't honest with injuries because fantasy is a billion-dollar industry now. And that's one of the main reasons it's there. People yeah. need to know this information, but... The story in hockey's always been you, you're getting hit all the time. You don't want your opponents to have something to target. Maybe, maybe that's a concern. You can't really use that if football's not doing it either. And again, it's just bizarre when you see someone, obviously a concussion, like with that terrible hit by Tom Wilson the other night against Brandon Carlo of the Bruins. It's incredibly obvious that he's out with a concussion. And they'll call it an upper body injury. Roman Yossi takes a high stick to the face. An upper body injury. <laughs> you know, someone can get bored and break their clavicle. It's an upper body injury. So, it, I don't know. It's, it's, it's annoyingly vague. It is. And, and there's some... I mean, first off, yes, you're right about fantasy football. Follow the money. And if there is a reason for them to change that monetarily, they will. And clearly there isn't right now. Uh, there's probably going to be some pressure on them to report a lot more specificity around uh, brain injuries uh, and concussions. I'm really surprised that that's not required more now, especially for posterity's sake. And maybe they have more for that, but you know, you want to be able to look backwards and say, did whatever ailment that a retired player or whomever else is experiencing now could it have been caused by a specific type of injury? And if you're too vague, you can't figure that out. Now, I personally don't know if the NHL does keep those records. They just don't report out normally. Oh, they that. have to. They, yeah. they absolutely have to. And okay. we see this come up every now and then when a player retires. You know, Eric Lindros, obviously, concussions cut his career short. Corey Crawford, that was probably a, a huge part of him deciding to retire on the verge of this season. But then you've got you know, Marion Hosa, who had to retire because of a skin condition. That came out later. 
Yeah. But then you got guys like Brent Seabrook, who just announced his retirement this week. A never-ending litany of lower body injuries. It, yeah, that's uh, it's such a weird. You don't. I mean, why? Do we? I honestly don't know that story. I don't know if we know a little bit more of why. Do they? Has he come out and said anything? Because that's that is really hard to see somebody who is pushed out of the game. And, and you just you just don't have an indication of it. But maybe that's the mystery of hockey too, because hockey is. I mean, it's kind of Bill Belichick's type game. Honestly, you, know, you talk about the Patriots, like it's just a, it it is the ultimate tough guy. Uh, you know, it's the final score and that's it kind of a game. Uh, so I, maybe it just matches the the tone of the sport. Yeah, you see these tough guys who get their leg broken on a slap shot and st- finish off their shift. <laughs> One skate in the air. I, I can't believe it. I mean, the, I think the only exception is when somebody's face gets cut by a skate, which is when which is really weird stuff. But I know. Oh man, don't don't bring those back. I'm ah. sorry, but like they're anomalies for a sport that's so violent. It is. I mean, I guess it is dominated by injuries, but it's uh, they're they're so minimal compared to everything else. I, it just it's it it's taken on such a different world of its own but it's it's what i imagine football was back in you know the early super bowl era and beyond that and i i can't know because i wasn't there but i it, it's and the only variable the only difference is that football is gigantic and hockey isn't as big right now at least in the us and the us is a is a is a torchbearer the us sets the standard in a lot of ways so i i don't know how to explain well, it the but NHL that's just signed a new deal with espn so for upcoming seasons, maybe the worldwide leader will request a little bit more clarity for their sideline reporters. It's all it's all about who has the who has the clout, and you'd imagine that it follows there. But we've seen a lot of growth in hockey. We've seen a lot of contracts signed, and that hasn't changed. So I, I don't know if there's a, a tipping point anytime soon that I can predict. We might as well just drink beer. I mean, you know, you know that's what the that's it's it's little known, but athletic trainers for hockey teams, the first thing they do after they uh, diagnose an injury is uh, is give them a Labatt's Blue. That's uh, <laughs> sorry, it's um, oh man. If you're giving me a baddie, it better be a wildcat. <laughs> but that's the tone of the sport. I mean, uh, uh, clearly that was a joke, but it, there's something still renegade about hockey, and it's, I think it's what we love about it. I think it's what makes it fit a mid-market team like Nashville, too. It is, it's not the polished sport that uh, the NBA is at this point. You know, if you, put, if you hold up the NBA relative to college basketball, it's an entirely different game. And I know many, many people have dropped off as fans of the NBA over the last 10, 15 years because of the direction of the style of play and the way that they call fouls and uh, the way that they don't call fouls. And uh, it, it's it's just taken on a different persona that college basketball still has. It, it totally is. And the NFL is not far from that for, for good reason because the NFL is 
literally ruining lives with, with the injuries and the style of play. So they needed to address those injuries. But it's changed it's it's changed it. And of course the popularity changes it as well. It brings a lot more heat and speculation and skepticism and um, criticism of everything that they're doing. And hockey just isn't there. It's uh it's kind of wild, wild west, uh still, relatively speaking. And again, I think that's what fits Nashville a lot. Uh, and allows a, a market like that to thrive so much. How much of that is just the media? And the fact that, you know, I mean, hockey Twitter is just as fun as baseball Twitter, is just as fun as NBA Twitter. You've got your diehards everywhere. You've got millions of fans across the world. But there doesn't seem to be that same laser focus as far as just the media goes. And it's shoved in front of your face every five seconds. Maybe that'll change with a nice, big, fat ESPN contract on that next TV deal. But, you know, we'll see. You'll always have your fans. You'll always have everybody to talk about. And here in Nashville, we got the Preds. And we've been so spoiled with this run of greatness now for going on 15 years. It's tough to have a season like this. But, hey, again, you want to check out the young guys. You want to see a little bit of... A little bit of silver linings. We talk about Ellie Tolvanen finally breaking through, becoming a regular, solidifying his lineup spot. A silver lining this season, for sure. Yeah. It, it, does that make it... I mean, my question in a situation like this is, does it make it better? Is it better? Is it more digestible when all these players are injured? Essentially, when there's little hope. You know, because we, we debated weeks ago whether the, the Predators were a bad game, a bad team when they were generally healthy. They weren't fully healthy, but when they were generally healthy. And that's heartbreaking to think of. But now you can kind of expedite your acceptance of that by just saying, well, everybody's injured. The record is not, you know, we can't catch up necessarily when we everything anything's doable i guess at this point but it's really difficult so as a fan which is you know you and i look at that perspective a lot you know not just what would a gm do or what should a team look like but like as a fan do you feel better about that now that all these guys are injured and now you can hang your hat on Ely Tolvin and make an, an impact finally and say wow if everybody was back next season and and John Hines found his footing, we'd have a really good team. Well, John Hines might not get a chance to find his footing before next season. That's fair. The way things are going for the Preds. But, yeah, as a fan, we've talked about this on the show before, but fans are so much more knowledgeable now. I know just a minute ago I was talking about how the media doesn't laser focus on the NHL, but that doesn't mean it's not there. It just means you got to look a little bit harder for it. And any diehard fans has inf- access to all the information. You can have the scouting reports of guys who are playing in the CHL, the KHL, wherever they are. You know the prospects now. That's such a big change in modern sports is that fans have this knowledge base. They're crazy about prospects. It gives them a lot more cultural cachet when they're talking about making trades and it gives you a lot more patience with your team during down seasons, too. Because you can always dream on draft picks, on high draft picks, of saying, okay, this is how we're going to rebuild. We're going to add to our team with a lot of young talent. 
that we might not have had a chance to have if we didn't have this one bad season. There's a lot of really interesting change in the way that fans look at their teams right now and can stomach losing, I think, a lot better. And it's also kind of a get-out-of-jail-free card for the organization of this recent string of injuries. It is. That's such fascinating, like, psychological (laughs) manipulation. I mean, certainly you and I know it really well, uh, being uh, outside of Nashville, uh, which has been a a really great market to be a fan of recently, uh, being fans of pretty terrible uh, uh, teams. And so historically, historically, but you know, it being from New York and Phoenix, uh, Drew Dave, respectively, uh, we've chosen the Islanders are in first place. That's true. The Islanders (laughs) and and the Knicks are really showing up for you right now, but I'm not going to buy into that one yet. (laughs) I would, I wouldn't either, but that's part of what comes along with it is cautious optimism. But we've certainly practiced that a ton and, it's amazing. Like I, I was thinking about this just the other day, thinking about everybody's friend, uh, uh, Robert Sarver, who's the owner of the Phoenix Suns. Probably the most unliked owner in all of the NBA. Two years ago, a big expose. You're talking to a guy whose team is owned by James Dolan? Okay. The second, <laughs> literally, they're, they're both right there, almost almost neck and neck. And he he had like two interim co-GMs. It was just a, it was a cluster. Like, and there was a whole expose. what Donald Sterling had to do to get past them on the hated chart. I know. I know. And that's, that's another sad point is, is just that we hate ineptitude sometimes more than we hate uh, shitty people. But, um, sorry to step on your foot for a second, but you got me. It's it's a good point. Tangenting off right here. What teams really like their owner? It's just when they're new and they're in the grace period, right? I mean, you're talking to somebody right now who owns multiple Steve Cohen shirts. <laughs> Thinking about the excitement that that sale brought to the Mets this offseason. True, true. But then after not signing any of the big free agents, not having that extension yet with Lindor or Conforto, even that's worn off a little bit. He, you saw he was sort of chased off of Twitter. <laughs> due to the whole game stock thing, but that's all different. But yeah, what teams like their owner? The, for the most part, owners are blamed for not spending their money, are blamed for all these you know, ridiculous rules and, and lockdowns that they try to get the players to do to get more money. True, true. And you know, to the general inequities of the sport, yeah. <laughs> crying poverty. It's like, you own a professional sports franchise. You have absolutely every, – everybody here cannot even relate to you on a monetary level. You can't be saying, oh, this deal is too bad for us. we got to we got to shut down baseball for a year because we're not getting enough of the revenues. Yeah. Nobody feels sorry for the owners. Well, that's why there's revolving doors on GMs. I mean, the best owners hire good GMs and fire bad GMs as quickly as they can because that's that passes the buck really easily. And that's where Robert Sarver really screwed up is he what he was putting his face out there. He was in a weird spot with negotiating a new arena amidst the worst stretch for the Suns. And he just he wasn't putting the right leadership in to blame it on, which is what owners do. And so he he just he wasn't even a good bad He wasn't even a good bad owner. <laughs> and now here he is 
leading a team that is second place in the West, the second best record in the, in the NBA, and has done something that we really haven't seen since Golden State and OKC, where it's almost purely organic, with the exception of Chris Paul uh, uh, coming over. It's really, really a unique team, and it's really fun to see. And he's like, he he posted a great picture. I don't know if it was on his Twitter or not, but he like had his shirt ripped open wearing DeAndre Ayton's chain after they beat LA. Which, by the way, beating LA is enough to make you a uh, a saint in Phoenix land. But <laughs> but I, the point I'm trying to get to, and sorry it's so roundabout, but is that he can do that stuff now, and he feels like he's king of the world. But he's a really shitty owner. He has been horrible. He's been horrible for the sport. He's been horrible for the league. He's been horrible for the fans here. And here we are celebrating him. And that's, that is something that I don't love, but I also forgive and get because that is what comes along with being a fan, not just a commentator like we are. We're commentators. We talk about it on the radio. We love talking about sports, but we're fans also, which means that we're subject to feeling that way. And you know, I can't say I love Robert Sarver, but he made decisions and he gave liberties to people that created one of the more fun teams in the league now. And it's amazing how all he's got, how, how your mind can get manipulated like that because they do that all the time. And uh, it's kind of, it's fixes everything. Scary. That's exactly right. It's what it all it's comes down to. It's often said because it's true. You know, forgive everything when your team's winning. That's it. I mean, who gets let back into the league? After their suspensions run out, guys who can help you win. That's the contract we signed up for as sports fans. We know on an intellectual level that everybody who's rich enough to be a sports owner is probably a terrible person. And a lot of them pan out for us. We see Donald Sterling and Jerry Richardson. We see Jerry Jones jacking up the prices during an energy crisis in Texas. Uh, You know... These guys didn't get to the position they are by not making money ruthlessly at every possible step they can. True. Every now and then you get someone who's actually relatable and you can cheer for, like uh, Mark Cuban at times. Yeah. Uh, that new guy who just bought the Utah Jazz seems pretty likable so far. <laughs> Even Steve Ballmer, you know, his, his excitement when he first bought the Clips was infectious. And yeah. turning the team around, I mean, that's going to grant you a whole lot of leeway with the fans, that's for sure. Especially relative to where the team was. If I was an owner that was, or if I was a potential owner, if I was a super rich individual, I I would be looking at the worst team in the entire league. I'd be looking at the Clips. I'd be looking at uh, the Bucks. Uh, you know, where they were years ago. I, I'd be looking at... Uh, um, I mean, there's so many teams that are just really bad. I'll be looking at the, 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 the Florida Marlins, you know, uh, uh, the Miami Marlins. Um, there's, the, the, there's nothing but upside there to go and take them. And, and the good news is the bar's set low. So all you got to do is make it look like you've done some functional things to clean house, to set, up, set you up for winning in 10 years because you're not getting fired. And that's why, that's why, to your point, nobody likes their owner because an owner can't be fired. An owner is ultimately to blame for everything. And frankly, that's something that I think sports has gotten right as we've realized that, yeah, the owner really is to blame, although we accept them passing the, block, the, the buck all the time. It's, 
this is a great conversation, man. It's so it's it's something that we don't get into that often. But owners are are really horrible, and they, uh, you know, I, I guess the last point I'd make on that, just to emphasize that point, is uh, you mentioned Donald Sterling and some of the really crappy things that we've heard. Well, anytime that stuff boils to the top, that's just a small percentage of what's really really happening. Uh, and that's not to accuse all the owners of those specific things, but you're right, they're ruthless. They've cut corners, they've exploited, they've taken advantage of people. And we know just based on the inequities of the sports, uh, monetarily and otherwise, that they take advantage of the players. They absolutely do. And the fans and the cities, you know, you can just look at every team that's ever moved and left behind a devastated fan base. And every team that hasn't moved only because a city acceded to their ridiculous demands for a new stadium. That's become a, a drain on the community. Yep. Or they got a new parking lot out of the old stadium. Yeah, there's. But look, we're not. We're we prefer to talk about the things we love about sports than the things you don't love because that's a that's a deep dark rabbit hole that is unfortunately a huge part of any sports fandom now. Because again. We have all this information. We can't just plead ignorance and say, "Oh yeah, maybe I, I read in the newspaper or something that Marge Schott said, but you know, I, I didn't really hear it. I, I forgot. I didn't read the article that day." No, now it's on twenty-four-seven. You're not going to miss that. <laughs> it's it's forced in front of your face. You're right. You can't you can't plead ignorance. Yeah, you, you absolutely can't. And that's our obligation. I mean, as fans, and I know it's a responsibility. Some of us might want to shirk, and I get it. But that contract you're talking about with the NHL, with the ESPN, that doesn't exist without us watching. It doesn't exist without us playing into what they're doing. So as hard as it may be, it's just really important to understand that we do wield some power there in terms of... because and the now, bad with the good. True. I mean, that contract doesn't exist without ramming through a, an unsafe farce of a series during the breakout of COVID. So you get that season in the books, it preserves that relationship, you get that contract, and hopefully it's good for the sport in the long run. And in the meantime, we get something to watch because like, when it all comes down to it, uh, we are just rooting for laundry. <laughs> but it means so much to us, Dad. It does because, and that's, I guess that's a really big point to take away from this is that all of it leads to some of the best things that we could ever experience in our lives. When you and I were down at the NFL draft, we were watching uh, the Titans play play the Patriots in the in, in the playoffs downtown. Uh, we were watching the Predators from a rooftop uh, on Broadway. All of those things are just incredibly momentous points in our lives, and uh, and, and th- that's the trade off. I mean, that's that's what we're trading in is is things that change the way we, we live. And we're lucky to have players out there that more so than owners. And that, be clear, there probably are some owners that deserve some credit for being good role models. But the players who get knocked more often than anybody else for being bad role models are really the torchbearers for showing people how to live and how to make the most of their, um, of their situations. Uh, you know, there's so many great players that are good role models and our teams in Nashville were really lucky to have had a lot of great players like that 
uh, all the way back to the, the the grit and grind Grizz, to the team that we have now with a bunch of young players that are just model athletes and model citizens for our 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 city to what the predators have been since most of their most of their time and certainly on this run uh players that have come and gone they've been great examples uh for the community and and even the the players coming through with the sounds that have gone to the major leagues and whatnot there's players we should be really proud of that we can root for and as much as that puts money in the pockets of the owners it's worth it to support those guys and their growth and the impact they make on our communities and in our memories and our lives. Cause it's really, really great stuff. Uh, no doubt about that, man. That's, that's the reason we do this. That's it. <laughs> and yeah, I mean, I've probably said this ad, ad nauseum, you guys know, but sports are so important to me in my life. Just having this thing that can bring together anybody regardless of your social class regardless of your economic class regardless of race religion anything any of these invisible fake boundaries or dividers you know you could have the most diehard liberal and the staunchest conservative if they're standing next to each other wearing titans jerseys when a touchdown's getting scored they're high-fiving and hugging and jumping up and down and screaming next to each other and there's so few things in life that can do that for us. It's one of the things sports are just so special. And it, I mean, even beyond that, uh, I personally think that every, every kid should play sports growing up. Even if you hear that all the talk, like, Oh, the, I got bullied in the locker room or something. There's going to be that in every flow of life. I mean, I'm sure uh, somebody, if you don't like in the chess club, they're going to bully that kid. That's just a point of being shitty kids. It's a great point. It's not excusing it, but it's saying it's it, it's not any more likely necessarily. It's just a different space where it could happen. But this confidence, this ability to interact with people that you wouldn't normally interact with on whatever through whatever social reasons, when you're teammates, that's something. I mean, we can not like somebody on our own team, and we can talk shit about our teammates all you want. But then that guy across the lines on the other team talks something about your teammate. You've got that person's back. And that's something that you, I think, is so important to learn when you're young. That there's there's people who will have your back. There's ways you can get out there and be a part of a team. And it, it's made such a big difference in my own life that I, you know, I feel so strongly about the good that sports can do. Besides... You know, the obvious oh, physical activity. It's great for you. It is. <laughs> but socially and yeah. everything else, it's it can be one of the greatest things. Every four years in the Olympics, we get together at a sports bar usually, and we're going fucking wild for a bike race. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sports that I don't even fully understand. I remember originally watching <laughs> soccer, and you're like, all right, we're, we're rooting for this. That's fine. Let's do it. I don't know what's going on. I, you're you're absolutely right. It is, it's it's integral to to everything that we do and people, uh, kids especially, but anybody. I mean, like I think we emphasize kids doing it a lot, but man, if you're an adult, go do something. Go play some pickup basketball. Go uh, join a league if you're inclined, because it creates that opportunity to network and work with people beyond the weird 
press uh, um, context and uh, um, I don't know whatever else comes along with your job. You know that that can bring different light and different cast different shadows on things. So go out there and just learn how to collaborate and work with people and create a an atmosphere. And and I, I guess the last thing I would say on that is because I'm living proof of it. You don't have to be good either. <laughs> just, you can suck at every sport that you play, which I have, which, by the way, I've also sucked at every musical instrument that I've played, too. Uh, modest guy. Modest mm, guy, this Dave. No, it, I, uh, I'll also say that uh, just for all the kids listening out there, that if there's anything that is a consistent between sports and musical instruments, it's practice. <laughs> and if you don't do that, you're not going to be good. So practice, practice. We're talking about practice. Yeah. <laughs> We're trying to have an internet radio show. You're talking about practice. Come on, man. <laughs> uh, you don't have to be good though. And like it, it teaches you to lose, which I think is a really great aspect too, which is where we should embrace uh, teams that aren't successful too, because one of the more fun things being a sports fan is seeing your team climb out from the basement and, Every team does it. Every team does it eventually, even if it's a small window. Because why are you going to be a Yankee fan? Don't be a Yankee (laughs) fan. You're 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 a non-human, non-entity, and nothing. If you're a Yankee (laughs) fan, sorry, you don't count any of these humanistic discussions that we're having. Oh, they could have some NUA too. (laughs) Look to cross promote a little bit. On the uh, Culture Rot podcast, which I guested on, that came out this week, we talked about the 30 for 30 House of Steinbrenner and seeing Yankee fans being so sad that they they hadn't won a, a World Series in a couple of years. <laughs> Can you imagine being in that position? I, I remember when the, 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 the century came to a close, the Yankees had won one out of every four World Series in that century. The luxury. I cannot imagine that luxury it, it's there are you know i would love uh, financial security i'd love great health uh i would love all these things you know just to know that i won't starve to death all your basic needs right like fulfill your most basic needs i would love that and uh but i i would just love a championship like just throw me a bone every <laughs> once in a while that's it uh, for for the teams that I love the most. Yeah, I've never gotten to go to a championship parade for any of my the teams I follow super closely, which is a bummer. But I've been to championship parades for other teams in cities I've been in, and it's been a damn good time. Again, just I will evangelize every breath, that sense of community that sports gives you. It's insane. And yeah, a car might get flipped over or a trash can lit on fire. But honestly, as long as you're out there being smart and not hurting each other and not doing anything you really shouldn't be, just that communal joy is so worth it. That release, that incredible, again, high-fiving strangers and screaming and shouting and dancing along with everybody. It's amazing. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, I was uh, in New York fairly recently with a friend who wasn't into sports much growing up. Didn't do the whole scene. But they were wearing a Mets hat and was just walking down the street in New York. And somebody leans out of a car and honks and says, let's go Mets. 
And you should see the smile on her face, you know? Just, <laughs> yeah, let's go Mets. Some total stranger leaning out of a car and cheering for you because you got this logo on your hat. That's a great it point. It means something. It's a great point. And, like, and honestly, I, I think that's a, a great thing to raise is, like, root for your team, but participate in other people's happiness because it's infectious, man, and it's a lot of fun. One of my favorite experiences was going to – I was in New Orleans when the Saints won the Super Bowl. Uh, I think they were down in Tampa that year. But uh, I was I was in New Orleans when that happened, in the French Quarter, and just being down there. I was with a group of New Orleans fans. I, I love the team, but that's not my team. Uh, they were that night, and it was a blast <laughs> to be high-fiving. I high-fived so many strangers that night. I shared hurricanes with people that night uh, in celebration. It was It was insane. And... One of the coolest experiences that I've ever had, and it's because of that um, that uh, uh, familial a- experience. You know, it's just like when you sit down for food with people that are your family and beyond. You sit down with a big group and you break bread. It, there's a commonality there, and it's the same thing when you're watching sports and you're rooting for them. So, take part in others people other people's joy, unless they're Yankees fans, of course. Uh, <laughs> but but really, you know. You can take a lot from those experiences, even if your team doesn't get there, as much as we want our teams to to get to that height. And that brings us all the way back around to our other point, in that fans are so knowledgeable now, we can cheer for a losing season. (laughs) You can say, all right, we can joke around with those bad years for the Titans when you were trying to, uh, you know, suck for Sam or tank for Tua or tank for Trevor or all these things that we hear now. There's a reason for that. It's because the name Trevor Lawrence has been in our memory as fans for so long now. Even if you didn't go to Clemson University or even if you're not an ACC fan or even a college football fan, if you're a fan of a bad NFL team, you've been following the career of Trevor Lawrence. For sure. (laughs) For sure. And, and that just connects everything. Uh, I mean, that's the whole idea of the, 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 the never-ending season, right? Like, uh, there, it never ends. There's no gap in it. There's always a story to be told. And that's because we've connected everything as well. And we've, we've got outlook. We, we act like GMs. We're not just, like, coaching from the couch any longer. We are managing a team and looking at the right growth pattern for the next 10 years, you know, trading draft picks, uh, you know, looking at whether we need to rebuild, whether we need those, those top picks or whether it's just not the right time. Like it's, it's insane to me. And it's so fun because it leads us, like you said, to be smarter, but it also leads us to a bunch of new enterprises, you know, fantasy, experiences are a big part of that uh you know i you were just talking about the other day i think it's really fun even though you know it better than i do the 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 new digital only sport of blazeball baseball uh but but it, it gives us don't get me started i know man. i i kind of want to but... we're gonna need a whole extra show all right <laughs> i think we should but so you talk about communities all these people are going nuts over uh you know, teams that don't exist anywhere except the internet and a community that's been made up around them. We can create our tribes and our groups anywhere under a- any situation. And uh, that's what's fun about it. Sports are set, and the big three is like that too. 
you know, there's alternatives and there's new perspectives on everything and, you know, we should embrace them. But uh, the one thing that'll be hard to overtake is the tradition of the teams we've rooted for for decades uh, and a plus. And uh, I, I don't know. I don't know what happens with those. That's a whole other show, too, man. I don't want to get too far down this path, but I'm really curious what happens over the next 10, 20, 50 years, even if I'm lucky enough to see that much of sports with the diversifications of leagues, the digitalization of them, and the knowledge that we have to know that maybe some leagues that we've been with for a long time aren't the ones we want to be a part of. And that there's alternatives now rather than only one path. It's going to be a weird world. It really is. All right. Next episode, nothing but baseball and fan control football. I'm in, man. I'm in. (laughs) No, 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 no. You know, the tradition's a part of it, too. And that's something nice. You know, passed down from families is sports fandom sometimes. Or you pick the opposite of the one your family was, just so you can have those good-natured arguments every now and then. You don't want to talk about politics at Thanksgiving? Uh, You can argue Yankees-Red Sox or something. That's a great point. And now you get the chance to choose new teams. Like, you know, I I know plenty of people having kids who want to set a new precedent for them. And sometimes maybe that's choosing a new team for them or choosing a new league. You know, maybe they grow up on baseball. I don't know. It's uh, <laughs> that stuff could happen though. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised the way it's going, man. Oh, True. fucking, Oh, you know, we talked about uh, e-sports. Yeah. That's, we don't, we're not going to talk about it on Walk It Off ever. That's a rule. I'm sorry, man. <laughs> All right. I'm sticking to this rule. No esports. Which which is more of a sport, esports or golf? <laughs> Go, Drew. Golf. You still get out to do something active. But yes, I know. I know. Hand-eye coordination, quick twitch muscles. It's a talent. It is. It is. Hey, but... hey isn't baseball just all hand-eye coordination? Look. <laughs> Sorry, that was a hot take, and I didn't want to open. I didn't, I didn't want to make anybody mad. <laughs> but that's not ours to say, you know. If if you grow up and that next generation is just as big a fan of your NBA team's esport team as they are of the actual NBA team, good, more power to them. A team's a if team, man. Yeah, you know, if their biggest sports icon is a dude who sits in a chair that looks like a race car with. You know, headphones bigger than the ones we've got on right now. Good for you, man. Go for it. Buy his T-shirt. I don't care. Agreed. Support what you like, what you like to like. Support what you like to like, you know? It's good to always show some support, and hopefully you get that same thing from that. If you're wearing the T-shirt of your favorite Overwatch player and you're standing in line at, I don't know, Starbucks? GameStop? GameStonk. GameStonk. Oh, man. Are we yeah, going to do a whole episode on stonks, your t-shirts too? Like, hey, yeah, I like that person. I, I hate that person. You started a conversation with a stranger. Yeah. And it's, again, it it's worth it. It's worth it, man. And it's why we say every episode. I don't think we've gone through an episode when we're on the air without saying just how much we love the honor and the privilege of being on air talking about sports every week. True. We're, we're lucky, and this has been a unique year to talk about a bunch of different things. You, know, you talked about early on about how we actually try to avoid some of the negative perspectives, right? And, the, you know, and, and talk about the camaraderie like we've just spent the last 10, 15 minutes talking about. 
But this year certainly brought up a lot of challenges in that respect. But that's part of it. Like that is the privilege. That's the the, the luxury, um, the honor that you and I have is that. And, and I and I hope we do a good job of um, of uh, of giving doing doing well by that opportunity to to talk about the things that are most important and uh, and everything that's impacting it. Because the truth is, is that it's all intertwined. Esports is being led now by actual athletes. So athletes are playing esports and they're the ones that are bringing a lot of light to it. And, you know, everything from a political standpoint to a social justice standpoint, to everything like that connects back to sports. These things are, are, are all intertwined. And that doesn't mean we should take away from the opportunity to enjoy our teams or enjoy the fun of some other team or not rib another team and not make this trivial. We should absolutely make this trivial. We should absolutely make this juvenile and fun and whatever we want to make out of it. But we should also acknowledge that everything really is connected. And that's one of the, the great things about sports of our time is that sports are our lives. They are our society. They are our culture. And it's it's pretty sweet to be able to talk about all the time. And it's one of the great optimisms that I have is being able to see the people who are torchbearers of it, the young, the young players, the, the, the people who are setting new precedents and standards and breaking down barriers and, uh, and see where they go because this is truly gonna be an indicator of our times for years to come. Matt, I was about to say I, I, that I would kill to be back on a baseball field, but I, I wouldn't. That's the whole reason we haven't been out on a baseball field this past year. I know. So you don't want to kill anybody. <laughs> I know. I know. That's why a lot of people would go to it's a baseball soon. field, too, because <laughs> they would kill to do that. But, but man, I can't yeah, wait. so hey, ready. I, I miss it so much. Oh. I was just thinking so ready to be back right before yeah you talk about those special moments man right before this all started you and me you were back in town we went to the inaugural game for nashville sc when they joined mls and cheering on our new soccer team with sixty thousand of our or our new best friends (laughs) special that was incredible i want those moments back so bad so everybody out there, be smart, take care of each other, and let's get back to this as soon as we can because, God damn it, we I need know. it. Well, you we have our, our word that you and I, when it's safe and available, we'll be there and we'll be, uh, we'll be reporting back, man. We'll be talking about all those experiences, and that's we, we got you covered through all the weirdness of 2020 slash 2021, and we'll be there beyond that. No doubt. Always good to talk to you, buddy. Good to see you too. You know, when we're socially distant and everything. Although you left Nashville, so you're you're distant anyway. It's yeah, I know, <laughs> and it's my own fault. But it's cool to bring you into my new home, and uh, and see you and stay connected to to Nashville. So we're we're gonna have to do this a lot more often. Hey, every week. You know, I had a bunch more topics for us to talk about on our digital episode today, but I think we might be running out of time here. Look, it's almost like it's a radio. Now we've got to save some of those topics for the radio, all right? I know. I know. We're, We're talking just... about what Titans are going to be doing in a free agency coming up. 
I don't know how much more time you got in you, but I think we might need to save this one for the airwaves. I, I think so. The good news is there'll be a lot of developments between now and then for us to uh, to create some fodder for Sunday night. But uh, these things are always in front of us. So look for more digital episodes from us. Uh, and uh, I, the, the world's our oyster, man. We got a lot of cool stuff coming up. Yeah, like we said, uh, send us your comments, your questions, topics we need to be covering on the show. Whatever. Walkitoffradio at gmail.com or hit us up on social media at walkitoffradio. I know we're both pretty terrible at social media, but it's there. It exists. So interact with us, please. <laughs> please like it and interact. All right. That, that's on you. Next next five posts are your responsibility. I'm calling you're, it. You're killing it, dude. And if, and if, anybody, <laughs> and if anybody can guess, uh, let's see if we can come up with some great prize. For the person that guessed the highest uh, percentage of uh, whether it's a Drew or Dave post. It'd be great for y'all <laughs> to figure that out. Yeah. They're, uh... Hey, I'll do one more thing for everybody who stuck it out this long, all right? We just got some brand new Walk It Off stickers. Send us an email. Shoot me your address. I'll send you one in the mail. Free of charge. Boom. Thanks for listening. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for caring. Thanks for liking sports. It's always good stuff. We'll catch you down the road.